All right, we're going to go into today's scripture, which uh, comes from Romans chapter 15, verses 11 through 13. We're going to be reading the ESV, uh, the English Standard Version. And so if you want to go ahead and uh, find the scripture, uh, the Pew Bibles there are ESV Bibles. Um, but you can also look up the scripture if you brought your own Bible or Bible app. And uh, we're going to be reading the scripture together. Uh, we're going to be doing an alternate reading, which means that uh, I'll read the first verse, and then we'll all respond with the verse after that, and then it'll be back to me. It's only three verses today, so um, we'll be doing that in a moment. Again, it's Romans chapter 15, verses 11 through 13. If you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word. And again... Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, we are going to be starting a a new sermon series uh, starting next week. Today is kind of uh, the, 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 if you would, like like an intro, kind of a a prequel, (laughs) a prelude to uh, the sermon series where we're going to be talking about practical discipleship, um, how we actually learn to become like Christ. And I'm really excited about this sermon series. Um, like the, the title suggests, it's meant to be immensely practical, uh, something that we, we haven't really done uh, probably often enough um, to try to connect uh, the sermons uh, to what we're doing in small groups and to give you some real practical tools on how to follow Jesus. And so, um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Uh, but today's message is about hope, uh, and, and th- that ties very nicely to the idea of change. Uh, and, you know, it is, uh, by the way, uh, the first Sunday of the new decade. So welcome to uh, the, the, the 20s. I, I, can we call it the 20s? I, I don't know what you call it. The 2020s. Um, and uh, it's exciting, right? Uh, I think maybe because uh, the numbers change so cleanly, you know, you got that 2020. Uh, maybe, especially this year, we're thinking about how do we change? How do we become better people? It's around this time where a lot of people are doing New Year's resolutions. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys watched the uh, the, the ball drop in, in New York City. Anyone watch that? Um, you may have noticed that uh, a lot of people were wearing uh, gear that was sponsored by um, Planet Fitness. And that, that's, that's really smart, <laughs> right? They, they handed out like all these hats and sunglasses and whatever, and all of it said Planet Fitness on it. Because a lot of people are, are thinking about, you know, oh, you know, maybe I should exercise. You know, maybe I should get healthy for the New Year. You know, and I, I don't know if any of you have New Year's resolutions. You, you don't have to tell me. Uh, but what do you guys think about New Year's resolutions? Have you done them before? Because, you know, depending on how many years you've been alive, we've probably been through this many times, right? Why do we every year have to do it again, right? Was it that maybe last year's resolution didn't stick? You know, uh, I I was looking up some, like, kind of just a stock photo uh, for New Year's resolutions, 
And, and so I found this, and I thought this was kind of hilarious. New Year's resolutions. Save money. Exercise and get fit. Find a better job. Help others. Travel. Stop procrastinating. Enjoy life. Like it's that easy. You know, I don't know about you, but the stop procrastinating, that, that hits very close to home. You know? But I don't know if you've ever tried a New Year's resolution. You just like write it on the page like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Stop procrastinating. And then all of a sudden just, like magic. You never procrastinate again. Is it that easy that you just set your mind to it and you're like, okay, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to exercise every day and just, just all of a sudden, you know, that happens. Probably not, right? Uh, There's kind of a flaw, I think, to New Year's resolutions. And the flaw is in your will. Um, We don't have the will to be able to change. We think we do. We think we want to change. But there's other things that are going on. You can't just change by wanting to change. I I wish it were that easy. You know, and so maybe for some of you, and by the way, you know, just a a little teaser for the sermon series. um, The reason why I am so excited about the sermon series is because uh, as I've been doing a lot of study and investigating scripture, I do believe that there is a way to change. It's just not our way to change, right? It's God's way. It's by following God's plan, God's will, right? And there is a step-by-step way that you can actually do that, but it's not going to be just by, I want to change. It's not that simple, right? And if you try to change this way, where you're just like, okay, just stop it, right? Like, like, uh, I don't know, maybe someone's New Year's resolution is like, stop worrying, right? How does that work? You just write it on a piece of paper and all of a sudden you stop worrying? It doesn't work that way, right? And so maybe if you've ever done a New Year's resolution, maybe you have become very disillusioned by New Year's resolutions. Or maybe you become very disillusioned by the prospect of change. Should we even bother trying to change? Because it doesn't seem like it happens very easily. Maybe for some of us, we even think that change is impossible. I I, want to prove to you that change is not impossible. Because have you ever developed a bad habit? You know, there's something that you didn't do before, but then you started doing it. Well, there you go. You can change, right? You just changed in a bad way, right? So definitely you can, if you can change in a bad way, if you could learn a bad habit, you can learn a good habit, right? There is the possibility of change, but it is difficult. And I think for many of us, we have started to lose hope. What is hope? Hope is the possibility of something good, of a change, but not just any change, something good, right? I mean, you got to leave it kind of broad because there's all kinds of hopes. You can have hope for eternal life, right? You can have hope for losing five pounds. You can have hope of, I don't know, eating chocolate cake, right? (laughs) Whatever the hope is, um, it's something that you haven't realized yet, but something that could happen in the belief that it actually could happen. It will happen, right? It is the opposite of despair, And I think that despair is one of the most dangerous spiritual conditions that you can have. Despair is the idea that good things will not happen, that change is not possible, 
that there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just darkness. Have you ever been in a place of despair? Maybe some of you are a little bit in despair right now about some situation in your life. You know, maybe there's a situation with work. You're like, man, I, I don't see how this gets better. It just looks dark. It just looks hopeless. Maybe you feel despair in your personal life. I can't change this habit. I can't stop procrastinating. No matter how hard I try, I just keep doing the same thing again and again and again. You know, maybe it feels hopeless in your spiritual life. Maybe there's ways that you're trying to change for God, to become more like Christ. And you're not really seeing that happening. You're not able to forgive. You're not able to be more loving. You're not able to be self-controlled. Brothers and sisters, I believe that we worship a God of hope. This is why I wanted to read this passage in Romans chapter 15. Let's go there right now, because this tells us that we do worship a God of hope. So it says, says, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. And so here... um, uh, the, the writer of Romans is quoting uh, Old Testament scripture that talks about hope for the Gentiles. Why is that important? It's important because for many uh, people of Israel, uh, the Jewish people, they didn't think that Gentiles had much hope. I, I want to show you a different passage. Uh, we actually read this a few months ago as we were going through Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, having no hope, and without God in the world. So the idea is that the people of Israel are God's chosen people. These are the people that God has chosen to bless, to be his people, who get to be close to God, not the Gentiles. So the Gentiles are not the people of the promise. They are not the chosen people. They are not the people uh, who are included in that covenant, in the promises that God has made to bless and prosper and to always be with Israel. They're on the outside looking in. They're cut off. They are not close to God, right? And so here, uh, what the writer of Romans is saying is that because of that, they don't have hope. There is no hope. How do you change that? Now, just to be clear, there were times in the Old Testament, it was rare, but there were times where people would actually convert to Judaism or they would marry in, they would be grafted into the people of Israel. There are some examples of that. But it was pretty rare. The way that you became a person of Israel was you were born into it, right? It was hereditary, right? That's why the genealogies were so important. You would trace the lineage, right? So-and-so begat so-and-so, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so, right? You would just trace this lineage. You were an inheritor of the promise. In many ways, it was biological, right? You're either born in or you were born out. 
right? You can't really fix the fact that you're not a gent, that, that you're a, a, a Gentile or not, right? It, it's just something that you were born into. So it was unchangeable until Jesus came. When Jesus came, he changed all of that, right? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Therefore, let's go back to uh, Romans 15. It says, um, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And then going back, it says the root of Jesse will come. The root of Jesse being a descendant of Jesse, right? David. But also, this is pointing to David's descendant. It's pointing to the Messiah. It's pointing to Jesus. Jesus will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. And so what the writer of Romans is saying is that... um, uh, oh, sorry, before it was Ephesians. I think I said the writer of Romans for Ephesians, but that, that's Paul, and probably Paul wrote both, so uh, we're okay there. Uh, but the idea is that when Jesus came, he has included now the Gentiles into the promise of Israel, right? That they also get to be with God. And, and so this defining characteristic of God is that there is nothing impossible for God. It's a defining characteristic of God, right? And so therefore, if God is a God of the impossible, then in verse 13, when it says, may the God of hope, I mean, that is one of the things that we know about God, right? If God can do the impossible, then he is a God of hope. What is the alternative? God is a finite God. God can only do so much in your life, right? It's not true. God can do anything. He can, right? All things are possible, as we say in another scripture, right? So to believe in God is to believe that there is always hope, right? There's always the possibility of a turnaround. It may not be obvious to you. It may not be something that, that you can see with your own eyes, or you can understand, or you can plot on a timeline and say, this is exactly when things will turn around. This is exactly how things will get better. We don't always, we aren't always privy to that. But we, what we do know is there's always that possibility. God can turn things around, right? Um, so if God is a God of hope, then may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The word believing, I think, is better translated as trusting. Because I think we, we think about believing as this kind of mental ascent. You just believe that God is real, or you believe that Jesus came and died for your sins, right? That's fine and good. But do you trust that? Do you actually trust this God? Do you actually trust him that he is a God that loves you? That he's a God who has good things planned for your life. That, to me, is more important than just believing that God exists, right? Do you actually trust him? If you do trust him, 
then to know that this God of hope, this God that can change things, that can turn things around, that he can fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Brothers and sisters, I I just want to say this, that as we are going further into the idea of discipleship, one of the things that we're going to be tackling, uh, very much so, I I don't want to say it's the, the main thing, but it's one of the main things, is we're going to be tackling the idea of feelings. For a lot of us, we feel things. We feel hope, or we don't. And that, in many ways, becomes destiny for us. Or we feel like doing something, or we don't. And what we're going to be learning in this sermon series on discipleship is how to go beyond that, how to go past that. Because for a lot of us, many times we don't change because we don't feel like changing. Or maybe in moments like this, as we're talking about it, or as you're thinking about your life, there are times you want to change, and you really do. But when it gets down to actually doing something about it, when you're in the midst of your busy life, and you're sitting down, and you're, you're, you know, you got work, and you got family, you got all these other things going on, you know, I don't know, maybe something as simple as reading the Bible, you don't feel like it. And our feelings tend to lead us, right? Our feelings tend to be the thing that determine whether or not something gets done in your life, right? And for many of us, our feelings are kind of like a god to us. It's an idol, right? I can't help but do what I feel. And instead of being led by your feelings, we need to be led by something else. What do you think that would be? Well, God, of course, But more specifically, how does God work in your life? LGM friends, help me out. What is it that leads you? What does the Spirit do? I I know, I do this all the time, and I'm so sorry. You guys know what's going to happen, right? You guys guys know the, the song Oceans, right? Spirit, lead me where my hope is with... What do spirits do, guys? They lead us, right? What does it say here? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that the pow- by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What, is, what en- enables us to change? What is able to lead you past and beyond what you feel like doing? It is the power of the Holy Spirit. In the same way you are led by your spirit, you are led by your feelings, you are led by something in your life, and it causes you to always do things the way you've done them. The Holy Spirit is able to do something new in your life. The Holy Spirit is able to change things in your life, right? If you would let him. If you would let it, if you would let it in. But this is the thing, brothers and sisters. You're not going to feel like it. I I know, it's a little bit of a paradox. You're not going to feel like it until you do. I do believe God can transform your emotions, right? 
Um, I, I do believe that hope in some ways can feel like an emotion. Joy, peace, these things can feel like emotions. But especially in the beginning, you're not necessarily going to feel like it. Because what are you feeling? You're feeling despair, right? You're feeling like things aren't going to change, right? And f- for me, there have been times in my life where things have been very dark. I've been talking a lot, in, in, especially in our sermon series when we're talking about um, uh, the, the sermon series, You Are Not Alone. I, I was talking about uh, a very difficult time in my life uh, that happened about this time last year. It was almost exactly a year ago that um, my panic disorder began. It's weird because usually these things don't really happen overnight without some kind of trauma, but it did for me. I don't know how to explain it. We still don't know exactly what happened. But about a year ago today, I started having panic attacks. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it would wake me up in the middle of the night. And it started affecting all my sleep. And it was horrible. And a lot of times, I felt like I was going to die. I felt nothing but panic. I felt anxiety. This idea that God is a God of hope is one of the things that got me past this. There are many, many things, and, and I've talked about some of those things before in sermons. So I'm not going to go, go, go over everything. But in those, uh, especially in the night, it was the worst. Uh, I'd, I'd be sitting there in bed, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. I'm going to try to fall asleep, and I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to be up all night, because that's what would happen. I try to fall asleep. A few seconds in, you know, my body would jolt awake, and I would just do that all night, all night. It was horrible. There's one night I remember where I was feeling a lot of despair, and I remember um, just praying to God, just being like, God, do you not want me to get better? God, can you make me better? Why, why would God, why would anyone, why would, why would a God who loves me want me to go through this? And, and, and I didn't really believe that God wanted me to go through it, but I didn't see how this was going to change, especially that night. And for me, one of the things that I, I really had to lean into was this belief that that God is a God of hope, that there was hope for me, that I would and I could get better. And I did, by the way, right? I mean, obviously, you can tell, <laughs> right? Things have gotten better. But at the same time, um, it wasn't easy. You know, and God being a God of hope doesn't mean that your problems go away right away. I I, I want to say that. I I want to be very clear. Change does not happen the way we want it to. And I wish it did. But, you know, it's kind of like uh, if you want to uh, get to Cincinnati, I can't just be like, okay, let's go to Cincinnati, right? And just, I really want to go to Cincinnati and open my eyes. There's only one way to get to Cincinnati, Well, okay, there's probably several ways, but the main way I know is you take I-75 South, 
right? You, you got to drive like, like 180 miles or whatever it is, right? And, and you'll get there. You'll get there if you follow the road. This is the way it is with discipleship. There is a way. There is a road. You have to follow that road. There's no shortcuts to that. You know, God will help you. There will be a way out. And eventually, if you follow that road long enough, you'll start seeing signs, right? Cincinnati, 50 miles. Oh, shoot, we're getting closer. Cincinnati, 40 miles. Cincinnati, 30 miles. I don't know how often they do these signs, but you know, the sign, you'll know you're getting closer. And eventually, lo and behold, you'll see the beautiful queen city of Cincinnati. It will just appear over the horizon, and you'll see the, the, you know, the stadium, and you'll see the, whatever Cincinnati looks like, you'll see, you'll see it, right? You'll show up if you follow that road. It is certain. So that's the way you get there, right? And for many of us, there, I think, you know, in the area of change, we want shortcuts. We want to just believe that it'll get better, and God, just do it. Come on. God, just do it. It's not the way God works. I wish it was. But if it worked that way, to be honest, I would be God, right? God has made things the way that they are. He has made us the way that, they, that we are. And we operate on certain rules. And we operate based on certain principles. And we have to follow those principles. And for me, slowly but surely, things started to get better. And, and there were many, many different areas that... that uh, you know, were, were kind of disturbed in my life, physically, mentally, spiritually. I had to get some medicine to help me sleep at night. I had to get a therapist to help me deal with some of the thoughts and the patterns of thoughts. Many, many, many good friends were praying for me. And a lot of scripture was read. A lot of songs were listened to in the, the watches of the night you know, to help put my mind upon the promises of God. Slowly but surely, things got better. You know, sometimes I'd leap ahead. Sometimes it was just a gradual process. But that idea in the watches of the night, when things were darkest, when I couldn't see the possibility of change, that that I I didn't feel like things were going to change. I didn't feel hope. But sometimes the only thing that got me to bed at night was that belief, leaning into, trusting in that truth that God is a God of hope, that he could change things in my life, and he would. Not the way I wanted to, but it would come. Brothers and sisters, um, the ultimate way And the way, by the way, that the Gentiles were grafted into the people of Israel was by what Jesus did for us on the cross. And this is the ultimate hope for us, right? The ultimate reason for hope is that God literally did the impossible. Because when human beings die, they don't come back, (laughs) right? It just, it doesn't happen. But it did with Jesus. But what God did was he reversed what we consider to be an irreversible condition, death itself. It's the end. Just 
fine, right? There's no coming back from that. And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what we believe. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that God rose a man, not just a man, but his son from death itself. If God can do that, if God can reverse death itself, then brothers and sisters, I don't believe there is anything that God cannot do. What about for you? Is there a situation in your life you're like, ah, nah. Pastor Steve, you don't understand. This situation is dead. This situation is hopeless. Is it? Because the thing, when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit and God, it is not about the situation. It is about the power of God. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to hope, it is not about the power of the situation. It is about the power of God, right? That there could be a hopeless situation. But that situation, no matter how stark it looks, no matter how dark, no matter how hopeless, it does not trump what the Holy Spirit is able to do because the Holy Spirit itself is a spirit of life. That's what it is, right? When God breathed into you, he breathed his spirit. That's life. That's why the Holy Spirit is the spirit that resurrects Jesus from the dead. And if there's any dead situations in your life, God can resurrect those according to his will, not ours. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you that, um, you know, I, I, I shared with you a very dark period in my life. Um, and, and your dark periods may be different. You know, the stuff that you're, you go through may be different. And you may not feel like there is hope. But I want to encourage you to lean in to the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? That maybe you read some of these promises. You read a Romans 15. And that... Maybe there's a part of you that doesn't believe that, truly. But maybe there's a part of you that's like, okay, I don't believe that, but I want to. I want to bring my will into agreement with the will of God. I may not think that this is possible, but I'm going to bring my will under this promise of God. For me, what I would do is I would just read these promises over and over and over again. And, and I would like literally say yes to them, you know, because this is what's happening, brothers and sisters, whether or not you, you know it. When you read something and you don't come into agreement with it, there's something happening in your mind. Your mind is going like this. Very simply, it's going, nah, <laughs> right? Like, have you ever read something like, you just won a million dollars. And the publishers, right? Like you read that, and what does your mind do? Your mind goes, no, I didn't, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's not coming into agreement with it. No. God can do anything in your life. All things are possible for Christ. Nah. No. I don't think so. I don't think that's really possible. 
And so for me, when I was in this time where I was feeling very hopeless, uh, I shared this story last year, so forgive me if you heard this before, but um, I went to see uh, our, our old senior pastor, Reverend Cho, and I was telling him about what was happening. I'm like, Reverend Cho, I'm, I'm a mess. I can't sleep at night. You know, and I was like literally just having a panic attack right in front of him. And so Reverend Cho just started, he opened his Bible and he just started reading scripture to me. And as he was reading the scripture, I'm just like sitting there just kind of rocking back and forth. I'm just in anxiety. I'm, I'm panicking. And, and he's like, he would read the scripture, right? Say, all things are possible, right? All things are possible. He would read the scripture about, um, you know, the idea that uh, God will never let go of us. He was reading Romans 8 over me. And, and he kept asking me, he, he said, Pastor Steve, he, the, the way I kind of remember this story, uh, I want to say that he said, do you believe this? But what he actually said was, Pastor Steve, are you listening? And, and I was like, yeah, 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 I'm listening. And, and he read the scripture again, and then he looked at me. He's like, Pastor Steve, I need you to look at me right now. So I looked at him. He said, are you listening? Are you listening? Because I think what was happening was I was hearing that scripture. God is a God of hope. God is a God of resurrection. And there's a part of me that was saying, Nah, mm-mm, no, it's not possible. And even though I didn't feel like it, even though I didn't really believe it, that what I learned to do over that time, especially at night when I couldn't go to sleep, I would read the scripture and I would just keep saying, yes, yes, yes. just want to go back one last time. We're just going to close with this, brothers and sisters. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Can we say yes to this? In your spirit, yes. This is what the amen is, right? This is why we say amen to things. Amen in Hebrew means let it be so, right? It is a way of saying, I want this to be true in my life in this world. Amen, let it be so. One more time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And all God's people say, amen. Amen.